Welcome in to the Daily Tap for Monday. Hope everybody is doing well. You know the vibes. You know what we're going to be doing on a Monday show. We're going to be talking about the Green Bay Packers. We're going to talk about Aaron Rodgers' ownership of the Chicago Bears, as well as any other storylines from the Packer-Bear rivalry round one. Green Bay successful, 24-14. to 5-1, another victory Monday here for the Packers. It feels good. I love a victory Monday. I think you're just, you're off to a better start. You know, if you're into astrology, Mercury and retrograde is over. Congratulations. We all survived. And the Packers won five straight games. So how can you, how can this be a bad Monday? We'll also talk a little bit about the Wisconsin Badgers. We'll talk about some of the Bucks opener headlines. No Semi Ojale, no Bobby Portis. So that will be part of our discussion as well and oh yeah star ratings as well in the packer sort of recap for today sorry that this is late i usually like to get these out after the game i was doing some stuff and then i ran i had a whatever it just did not work out and i had a window to do it and i was like okay the baseball game's close the football game's close I fell asleep for both of them, so I missed both of them, and then I was like, well, I'm not going to do a podcast at one in the morning, which is on me, and I should have just did the game, did this and had the games on while I was podcasting, because I had no vets to distress. This wasn't going to change my podcast opinion, although I do think I'm going to write something about the Braves and how I feel a lot better about what happened with the Brewers after the Braves go up 2-0. On the Los Angeles Dodgers, I know they've both been walk-offs, but you have to feel a little bit better if you're a Brewers fan. But yeah, that's on me. Um, we'll have none of that tomorrow because we have the Tabbing the Keg NBA preview. Um, it's mostly Bucks. We talk a little bit about the overall NBA at the end, but it's mostly going player by player for the Bucks. So we have that for Monday. Then on Tuesday, we will have a Bucks recap. Obviously, we'll talk about the Packers. And we'll also host another Twitter space. We did that after the pack game. It was a lot of fun. I had a good time. It was a lot of my friends, um, more so than uh, just other people. But that's okay. That's all right, right? We'll um, we're gonna try to do it again, um, and hopefully you guys enjoy that. Hopefully you guys pop in. Um, it'll be probably starting right around nine o'clock, and we'll go for I don't know fifteen minutes, half an hour, depending on just how how everything is in there. Um, I don't know if the Bucks crowd will be a little bit different. It's Tuesday night. It's not a. It's not Sunday afternoon. So who knows? Um, we'll we'll see what happens. But I hope you guys join us for that on Tuesday as well as Thursday. We'll do it for the uh, the Miami game as well as that's a big one. And we'll we'll definitely give you guys heads up when we're doing them, when we're not doing them, so you guys know. All right, let's talk about the Green Bay Packers. So Green Bay Packers. Beat the Chicago Bears 24-14. The big headline from this game is obviously Aaron Rodgers doing the belt and yelling, I own you, or I've owned you all my fucking life. I still own you. It was the biggest deal probably of the weekend. Uh, I know Cowboys-Patriots was a huge game, and it was back and forth, and it was a definite classic. But I, I really think the Aaron Rodgers telling the Bears fans that he owns them. You look at the record, it's 22-5. and five. Rodgers knows that he is a great player against the Chicago Bears. Like Rodgers loves that shit so fucking much. And I told you guys all last week how serious he takes this rivalry. And I was like, this thing matters to Aaron Rodgers. This thing is really important to Aaron Rodgers. He likes beating up the Bears. And when he sees a lady give him a double bird in the stands, he was going to say something. And I just... 
I appreciate it so much. I think that it shows you why he's our quarterback, why he's our guy. I, I just, there are a lot of things about that that were basically how I've been a Packer fan for the last 10, 20 years is just Aaron, A, dominating the Bears, but B, Aaron Rodgers just being the man and knowing that there are so many people that hated what he did there, especially in the city of Chicago. And that Aaron Rodgers sort of just dropped his dick on, on the city. And that's and that's what we've had for so long. And it's been incredible to watch. And it was again today. And the idea of ownership of the, of one team, it's hard to argue. 22-5 and five is a real record. It's not a fake record. One of those five losses, Aaron Rodgers got hurt and broke his collarbone. So who knows? Maybe we should throw that out. Maybe that one shouldn't even be counted. So maybe he really should be 22 and or 22 and four. Yeah, we won't count a win, obviously. But 22 and four maybe is what Aaron Rodgers should be. And Aaron Rodgers also basically told him the bad man isn't over. Like he's like, it's not done. It's like Halloween. Michael Myers somehow keeps living. I don't know how many fucking Michael Myers movies we have now, but he keeps coming back because he goes, this is my last time at Soldier Field. This is my last time with the rivalry. Really interesting comment considering the fact that Aaron Rodgers, by all accounts, is leaving after this year. It didn't sound like that after the game. Now, maybe he's just fired up. Maybe he's in the moment. But Aaron Rodgers definitely wants to enjoy this Packer Bear rivalry until the finish line, until it's over. He has a special power against this team. And Aaron said that because a fan fan provoked him. So it wasn't like he just went there and told them off out of nowhere. Like, I'm too good for you people. Get back to your shanties like you Shooter McGavin. Someone actually kind of provoked it, which is... I, you never want to do. You never want to provoke Aaron Rodgers. Robert Quinn did the belt. He said he didn't see it. Um, he just did the belt because he wanted to. I haven't seen the be- a belt like that in a long time. I can't recall when the last time we saw a aggressive belt from Aaron Rodgers because that was an aggressive belt. Like it was not one that we've we've witnessed in some time. He he's kind of went away from the belt. Um, but that was that was incredible. I. I always have said incredible twice now. Um, I always love when Aaron Rodgers runs runs it in because I think of my old roommate, Eric, who whenever Aaron Rodgers was on the move and we're watching a game together, he just would yell, to the belt, to the belt, to the belt. Oh, and then he'd go crazy. Like I will, that'll be forever etched in my mind um, until Rodgers is done playing. It's like, and it's, and also too, just for everyone's knowledge, it's the belt. It's not the discount double check. Okay. Like it's, it's just the belt. Don't if you call it the discount double check, just we gotta we gotta check the fandom, all right? Like it's the belt, like it, that's what it's called. It's what we refer to it, but yeah, the belt at the end of the game to seal it for the Packers was special. Um, I, I I loved it. Also, some other things that are worth noting. I thought the Green Bay second half was fantastic. Now I know it was interesting. Peyton and Eli had made commentary that you really can't make a ton of adjustments. In the in the halftime, you don't have enough time. While I do understand that that might be true within the player, I do think coaches can make adjustments with how they're approaching the game. And I think Green Bay realized as the game went on what they needed to do to beat Chicago on both sides of the football. And they did a really good job with it. 
And that second half was really good from Green Bay. And Green Bay 10-7. They're kind of in a fight. It's really choppy because of the officiating, which was awful. I mean, both sides. Like, it wasn't just awful for the Packers. It was awful for the Bears. And I don't know what the NFL can do with their refs because it feels like they are overly involved. It feels like we are headed towards a ref impacting a playoff game. Like, I know that sounds dramatic and sounds like hyperbole, but I feel like we're at a moment where we're going to have a ref decide a playoff game and we're all going to talk about it. It's all going to be a story. And just the refs need to chill the fuck out. Like, we've seen this in the past where refs have been sort of involved early and then they've tailed off. The refs seem to always be involved and we need to kind of curtail that. That needs to kind of stop. So sorry for that tangent, but yeah, the Packers were, it was 10 to seven. It didn't really feel like either team had the advantage. The Bears definitely won the first half. And then in the second half, it kind of, it was, it became the Packers game. Chicago goes four and out to start, or three and out, excuse me, to start the game. Start that, and then the Packers go down the field, 10 plays, 90 yards, took up six minutes of the clock, and won that football game. That was where Green Bay won the game. That drive, and it was led by mostly of Aaron Jones, who had a 28-yard run to kind of spring that. That started everything. That was basically the precipice of Green Bay sort of dominating this football game. And they would force Chicago to punt in their next drive, Green Bay should have went down the field and got one, but then Chicago turns around, gets themselves a a touchdown in their own right, and it gets a little tight, and then the belt and everything like that. But Green Bay had ultimate control of this game after the first quarter. After the first quarter, Green Bay wins the game 24-7. I mean, that that says it all, right? It, It says what the Packers were defensively. This Bears offense, even though Justin Fields showed some glimmers, it's not good. And Khalil Herbert was nice. He might be a nice, you know, complimentary piece. I think you look at Khalil Herbert and you say, well, that's our Tyree Cohen replacement, right? Like he's a third down back, a guy you can kind of bring out of the backfield. You know, David Montgomery is still that guy. But I, I do think the Bears have a nice stable of running backs. But their offense just is anemic. Like it... It just doesn't seem to work. They didn't they didn't give Justin Fields opportunities to succeed. Way too long of plays drawn out. There were a lot of problems, and the Packers took advantage of it. And Joe Barry saw what he needed to do. They didn't have Preston Smith. They didn't have Zadarius Smith. They were still getting pressure. Kenny Clark got pressure. Jonathan Garvin got some pressure. Uh, you had dudes, Rashawn Gary, second half, again, who always seems to be there come the second half. They were getting in Justin Fields' kitchen and making it really hard. Dean Lowry had some moments too. Like Green Bay is definitely a good defensive team. I know that's hard for us to believe, but I I really do think the Packers defensively are good. And maybe you could say, Charlie, they haven't played a good offense in weeks. Well, they played. I'd push back on that because I'd say Cincinnati's a good good offense. Like Cincinnati is four and two. And the Packers held them to 22 points. Yes, Jamar Chase went off, but no one else did. T. Higgins didn't. Tyler Boyd didn't. You know, their tight end, who everyone's hyped about, didn't. Joe Mixon was pretty average on the ground. Now he's banged up, but here nor there, right? So I don't know if I want to hear that, like, Green Bay hasn't played a good offense. 
Green Bay played San Francisco. Kyle Shanahan, genius. Oh, God, Kyle, everyone's willing to just run up and flake Kyle Shanahan whenever you can. And Green Bay's defense continues to stand tall. And in that game, I really think they they got spooked by all of the penalties against them. And they, they got soft in the second half. So I know Green Bay has Arizona. Washington's a pretty good offense this coming week. They're going to be tested in the next few weeks. We're going to know it's Washington, Arizona, Kansas City. Like those are three pretty solid offenses. But I think this defense is good, man. I really do. And they're held together by sticks. There's nobody, you know, this week it's like, who do we lose? Okay, Preston Smith and Darnell Savage. Jesus, right? We'll talk about injuries in a second here. But it's, man, I really like what Joe Barry's done. He deserves a lot of credit. Thinking the Packers have a good defense, and I hope more people are realizing that and not just degrading it, or that's a little too strong, downgrading it because they were playing the Bears or the Steelers. They, they're they good defense. It's okay, guys. We can say that. One thing the Packers do need to cut out sooner rather than later because I think it's going to bite them squarely in the ass is the slow starts. They can't keep starting slow. This is now the third straight game that Green Bay has sort of gotten off to these sluggish starts. Even, I guess, Detroit, if you were to do the full season, five out of the six games really have featured the Packers starting out slow. Not really finishing drives, not really getting points in the first quarter. It's a tough look for our first quarter better. Shout out to Merv. Like, they are not a first quarter team right now. They are a bad team in the first quarter. And... I don't know why. Like, I don't know if Matt LaFleur is getting, like, too cute early on and he's like, all right, we're going to try some different things, see if they work, see if they're available. Like, the plays that the Packers were running in the first quarter were really long developing. Rodgers didn't have a ton of time to throw the ball because the line was a little shaky this week, and he was taking sacks. And then Green Bay got to their rhythm passing game. They got to their short pass routes. They got to outs and and slants and ins and things like that and so they were then spreading the ball around and making sure that it was not necessarily these you know post routes that took forever to to complete like none of that and so I do think that needs to get better in the first quarter because there's going to be a team that slaps you in the mouth in the first first quarter and you can't get up like well let's just put Arizona in there right Like, what's to say Arizona doesn't come down, put 14 points on Green Bay, Green Bay starts slow, and maybe they come come from behind and keep it close, but they don't win the game. They have to stop starting slow. It's going to end up costing them at some point. And I don't know when, and they need to kind of figure out, all right, what's going on with the script? Why is the script not necessarily working like it was last year. Green Bay was so good in the first quarter last year. Green Bay was so good in the red zone last year. And they they haven't been either this year. Now, red zone to yesterday was good. I think they were two or three in the red zone. That's that's solid. That's that's what you want. I know it's 66%, but it's it's a majority of your drives ended in a touchdown. That's those that's good. That's what we want to see going forward. So can Green Bay figure out this first quarter, this first quarter stuff? Because it was really ugly in that first quarter. It felt like Chicago had all the momentum and then Green Bay turned it on. So I don't know if it's just 
they're waiting to turn it on. I don't know if it is the it's Rogers audibling and he has a little more freedom out there instead of the script and he's able to kind of navigate that. I don't know. And if it's that, you need to talk Rogers, LaFleur, Hackett, Getsy need to have a conversation about how can we how can we meld that? How can we make the script a little more easy to follow, a little quicker? And we'll see what happens. That to me is like the number one thing I'm watching for next week against Washington. The other thing I'm watching for with Washington, and I'll, I'll be quick here is, because we'll talk about the, the matchup as the week goes on, is the look ahead spot, man. This is such an obvious look ahead that I know it's more something in college. We, talk, we, we say it in college all the time. There's letdown situations. There are look ahead situations. And... That, that happens way more in college because they're college kids, right? And, and I'm not one to be like, you can't criticize college kids because I certainly do. You've heard my Graham Mertz text. I certainly criticize college kids. But I, I do think that they emotionally wear it more than NFL players. NFL players can sort of shrug something off and be like, well, all right, whatever. But I do think that knowing Arizona's there on Thursday... And you have Washington, who you're a 10-point favorite against. And it's like, can we just fast-forward the Washington game and go to Arizona? They did this against San- with Minnesota last year. Minnesota came to town. You had San Francisco the following Thursday. Minnesota wasn't that good at that point of the season. I think the Packers, that game, have to look it up. But I think they were about 8-point favorites. And all they needed to do was beat Minnesota before heading into San Francisco. And they lose. And they had, then all of a sudden it's two losses and you're like, okay, now you're playing this Niners team. Now they were just banged up to shit. They had all this COVID stuff and the Packers are able to win and it's not a big deal. But the last thing Green Bay can have happen is losing to Washington, then losing to Arizona. And now you're, you have two losses and you're headed to Arrowhead against Mahomes. I know Kansas City isn't looking like the Kansas City of old, but still that is a terrifying thought. So hopefully Green Bay keeps it together, put the foot on the gas pedal. Washington's defense has been a sieve all year. You could argue it's a great great get-right spot for that Green Bay Packer offense. But yes, we need to not just look ahead and move on to that massive Arizona matchup, which is going to be huge, win or lose for both teams. Like It's going to be a premier Thursday night matchup. Like it, That's why you have Thursday night football for Fox. Like that's why Fox pays for it. Because every now and again you get a big game like that. And you add on the fact that they have the World Series the next day. Huge. Like that's gonna be big time for Fox. Alright, let's do some star ratings and then we'll do the other parts of, of the show. So star ratings, you're familiar with it now, but just for those who don't, maybe you got some new listeners here. Star ratings are we're basically going five to one stars from different things from the Packer game. It's a little different today than it, than it has been in the past, just because I felt like there were some cool topics to talk about versus like just actual players. I hope you guys don't mind. Um, so that's kind of what we're doing today. Five star rivalry chirps. I think. I mean, this "I Still Own You" is going to be in every Packer fan's repertoire for a long fucking time against the Chicago Bears. It feels really good. It feels like something that we can say for at least a few years. 
We had people already putting out t-shirts. I saw Barstool had one. I saw Game On had one. I'm sure Cheesehead TV has one. I thought about it too. I was like, should I get in the t-shirt game here? Um, I didn't um, because I just, you know, whatever. It, here's the thing with the t-shirt industry. It's a completely saturated market. Um, everybody has a t-shirt. Um, if you if you have a, a blog or a website, you have a merchandise. And it, it usually, I don't know how it well it does. Like I have no idea how well certain merchandise does for different units. What I would actually look at is like the screen print of the belt and then put I still own you underneath. Like to me, that seems more like a buyable shirt, right? Because you have the belt, you have Aaron Rodgers doing the belt and then you, it says I still own you on it as well. I think that's great. Like as someone who has a screen print Giannis Valley Oop t-shirt, like it, it's awesome. Like it fucks, you know? I, I, and that's how I would do it. But yeah, that chirp's gonna be there forever. So definite five star there. Also five star to the double bird. So you had a, a fan in the stand give Rogers the double bird, the whole reason this happened. Double bird is a great way to insult somebody. Like that to me is underrated. Like I don't think we just throw up the two middle fingers enough. You could act maybe the double bird is having a moment with Eli Manning also doing it on a Manning and Manning broadcast. And now you have this. Like it's a is it the year of the double bird? I mean, some people might be asking. And it's just a great way to insult somebody. It's a great way to tell somebody to fuck off. Like the two, the middle finger itself is, I think is, is okay. Like just giving the finger every now and again is all right. But when you go with the double bird and you kind of shake your fists, because like when you do it, you can't just kind of have it there. You shake them, right? And, and I think that is a underrated way to insult somebody. I know I, I, I can't tell the story. I'll tell it at the end. I have a great double bird and so oh, let's just tell real quick. So when I was 21, I'm on a dance floor and I had been drinking and I was dancing with this girl that was a friend of a friend and we're dancing, we're having a good time. Her friend pulls her away from me and, and yells at me and says, she has a boyfriend. And I mean, I don't know this. How did, how did I know? How did a young, a young Charles go? And I was like, well, fine. Fuck you then. And I double burdened. I think I've probably told this story. It, it's one of my roommates, my old college roommate's favorite stories. And it's been overdramatized because only one roommate at the time was 21 with me. And it was over Christmas. It was Halloween. So it was right around this time. But yeah, I, uh, that to me is my moment with the double bird. And and double birds never nothing ever wrong. So we'll see if double it's, it continues to be the NFL season of the double bird. Lastly, on a five star scale, Joe Barry, Matt Lafleur. I thought both guys did a great job with the offense and the defense today. They they should be very happy with how both played. I realize the offense only scored twenty four points, but there weren't a ton of possessions, right? It wasn't a back and forth football game. Uh, the Bears are methodical. I thought at times the Packers were methodical. And Matt LaFleur never abandoned the run today. And that is a huge development because a lot of times when Green Bay struggles and they get off to slow starts, you you see the run game get thrown out the fucking window. The only drive where it happened was the, they were up 17 to seven. They kind of were going for the kill shot and they went a little bit away from the run. That was the only time they did. 
And in that moment, Packers punted. Then the Bears get a touchdown. Keep pounding that football. Um, Packers are a good running team. And they should be treated as such. I think everybody knows they're a good running team at this point. And that would be a four-star to transition it in. I really like the Packer rushing attack in this one. You had big breakers from A.J. Dillon as well as Aaron Jones. Both had carries that went for over 25 yards. Um, That's just great blocking by the offensive line and getting those guys sprung. And Jones and Dillon are a handful. And that just makes the Packers so much better. They have two running backs that can go off for 50-plus yards each game. D.J. Dillon had 59 in this one. Aaron Jones had, I think, 76. And overall, because he also had a great early run from Aaron Rodgers, who looked like Johnny Football out there, uh, the Packers rushed for 154 yards on the Bears' defense. That has been really good against the run. Uh, They ran 24 times with uh, Jones and Dillon. um, And... Jones had 76. Dylan, as mentioned, 59. Uh, Jones got in the end zone through the receiving game. They were also averaging 5.4 and 5.8 yards a carry. So there could even be a case that he should have been feeding him the ball more. Although it was pretty even. Rodgers only threw the, threw the ball 23 times. So 23 times to 24 runs. I, I, I could say, oh, you can make the case you could run it more. Yeah, you were even. I, I think it just came down to there weren't as many possessions in this one as you see in other in other games where it moves a little quicker and it's an all-out shootout. Also, another four-star for the offense goes to just spreading the ball around. I really like that today wasn't just the Devontae Adams show, that we saw a lot of guys involved in the receiving game. You had Josiah DeGuerre get involved. You had a little bit of Tanyan. You had Amari Rogers. You had Mercedes Lewis. You had... Alan Lazard. So it wasn't just Devontae coming up with big play after big play like we saw in Cincinnati, where it really felt like it was Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, and like a dash of A.J. Dillon, a dash of Aaron Jones, a sprinkle of Randall Cobb. This to me felt more like how you should use the Packer offense. And maybe this is just Aaron Rodgers getting more comfortable with the guys around him and not necessarily just the just the stalwarts just the guys he's had for years like Devontae like Randall Cobb so that this is a good sign moving forward hopefully Lazard can get involved more I think he's a guy that is great in terms of blocking but hasn't necessarily been there in the passing game um, and hopefully we see more also too it's not in the stat sheet but Aquinas St. Brown made a great catch in the end zone um, and it sucks that that got robbed by a bullshit offensive pass interference. Um, it was a hell of a catch from from St. Brown. He also had a nice block for Amari Rogers' only catch. So again, to that point of spreading it around, you know, Rogers really made a conscious effort. Seven guys got got pass receptions today. Eight would have been there had St. Brown caught that ball, or had it not been a penalty, he caught the ball. Um, so that that's good stuff, and that's I think something you want to see from Green Bay moving forward. Last in the four stars, Kenny Clark. Two massive plays late. I mean, Kenny Clark completely destroyed the final drive for Chicago with two sacks. He wore down Cody Whitehair inside, and Kenny Clark was an absolute beast down the stretch there. And 
I would be terrified if I was the NFC and I'm seeing Kenny Clark sort of wreck things in the passing game. We've seen what Kenny Clark can do in the run. Kenny Clark being able to do it in the pass game, whether that is because of what Dean Lowry's doing, whether it's TJ Slayton's in, I would have to watch the tape to understand why Kenny Clark was getting to the quarterback. But if they're using Kenny in more of that elephant role, as it's been talked about, where he's on the end versus playing inside, that's going to be a real problem for teams going forward because Kenny Clark is a man. And he can run with the best of them. He he is not slow, to say the least. I'm glad he didn't get hurt. I mean, Matt LaFleur said after the game, like, he when Clark was down, he's like, I thought I was going to throw up if we were going to lose Kenny if he was down. Um, so thank God Kenny was all right. Hopefully it, it's a just a nick or a bruise as he heads into the week. Because sometimes those guys can play, and then it's like, oh, Clark's questionable to play by Wednesday because he has some sort of ailment. So hopefully that's not the case. Um, I thought Kenny Clark was great in this one and very excited to see what he can do the rest of the season. Because I think the Packer defensive line, which was much maligned, not including Clark, um, has kind of came through the last few weeks. I think we've seen it from Dean Lowry the first two last two games. I thought Dean Lowry played really well. Certainly could have made this list as well at along with Clark. And I, I thought there were some moments from Lancaster and TJ Shelton. TJ Shelton got to the quarterback once and he got held terribly um, in at the end of the game. Three stars, Rasul Douglas. Like I thought Rasul Douglas had a really nice game. I thought Rasul Douglas came on really strong um, in this one. And I felt like Rasul, there's just more needed. I know it's early, right? Like he, this is his first real week playing with the Packers. I'm not going to overreact to one one week of games but i like that rasul's ready to hit somebody i understand the field's hit wasn't great like matt schneidman called it head hunting but that just tells me matt has never played football in his life like not to be like that but seriously that wasn't head hunting like it's not they he timed it he timed his launch at the same time that fields slid and unfortunately it was science and they hit each other at the same time I think if Rasul Douglas, you know, realizes he's sliding, he probably doesn't launch and he just, you know, basically bails out. But unfortunately, he had already timed his leap. And so that's where Fields takes the hit. It's brutal. But that's just football, man. It, would I have been mad about it had it been Aaron Rodgers? Sure. But that's just, that's your own guy, right? You're mad about it with your own guy. But if we had a brain, we'd understand that Rasul was not necessarily trying to take Justin Fields' head off. But he plays angry, and I think that's what you like about it. He acts like somebody peed in his Cheerios, and you need more of those dudes. And when you have that sort of dog mentality, it's a good thing. And I think Rasul is a dog. I, I, I'm not gonna like give him that dog crown, but I think he's he he has he has the vibes of that. And I think you'll see Rasul start next week against the Washington Football Team if King and Alexander can't go. Two stars, ah, man, the offensive line. Uh, I, well, I've Royce Newman, but I felt like the offensive line really did struggle in this one, notably Royce Newman. Uh, the Packers finally sort of broke down on that line, which we haven't seen all year. Elton Jenkins gets back. You expect it to be better, uh, but it wasn't. Uh, they struggled uh, with the pair's pass rush. They did do well run blocking. Like They ran the ball, like we said, 154 yards, and it was about a five per carry for both of the backs. So that's good stuff from the offensive line. They should be happy with that. 
but their pass rush was bad. And who knows why, right? Whether it was the Bears' scheme, whether it was just wear and tear. Like, they've faced good pass rush over and over again. San Francisco, Pittsburgh, Cincinnati, now Chicago. Like, that's four straight weeks. Now you have Washington, who, as I know, has not been good defensively, but they do have a pass rush, too. So Packers are going to need to work on that. They're going to need to be better than they were this week in terms of protecting Aaron Rodgers. And I do think Royce Newman is going to be the odd man out when they're fully healthy. I don't think David Bakhtiari is going to be back this week. He could be, but I think it would make more sense to bring him back for Arizona and have David Bakhtiari there. So I think what you'll end up seeing, barring the Josh Myers injury, um, I think you're going to see... Bakhtiari, Elton Jenkins, Myers or Lucas Patrick, John Runyon Jr. at the right guard, and then Billy Turner at the right tackle. That to me is what, what will end up being the Packer offensive line going forward after Bakhtiari returns. I don't think you're going to push Jenkins to right guard, maybe. If he feels more comfortable, I think maybe that's Stefanczyk has the conversation with, or Stanovich, I think it's Stanovich. I always butcher his name. Stanovich, I think, will have the conversation with Jenkins and Runyon and be like, Elton, you know, would you just rather be at left guard or would you play at right? John, can you play right guard? And just have that conversation. I mean, I think Jenkins gets precedent because he's an all-pro, but I, I wonder what they'll do there. I don't think it'll be Royce Newman, though. I think Royce Newman has played the worst out of all of them. He had a really rough game, and that this has not been his first rough game uh, recently. Other two star, I didn't like that Jalen Smith outsnapped uh, Chris Barnes. I know a lot of Packer fans were critical of Jalen Smith's first game. I, I'm not one of those. Like, I think that it takes time. It's not going to just happen overnight. Um, they're not going to just immediately fix things. Um, but I do think that Chris Barnes is a better player than Jalen Smith at this point. And I, I think that they Barnes only hitting 13 snaps feels odd to me. Also, two Oren Burks had more snaps than all three. So that I don't know. Weird linebacking day. Because I thought, I don't think, maybe it was a spy with Fields. And that's why they used Oren Burks more. Um, and, and that Barnes and Smith are a little slower. I guess that would be the thought, right? Isn't Burks a little more athletic? I don't know. Regardless, I, I didn't necessarily like what they did from the linebacking perspective, aside from Campbell. I would have personally go Barnes- Smith Burks and they did the inverse so hopefully that gets cleaned up for next week one star uh, Packer injuries as we mentioned it was another brutal day I said it on the space at the end of uh, after the game I was like you know maybe this is one of those years where we're never healthy where we're always like gonna be like well just wait till we get healthy just wait till we get healthy and it like never comes true it never happens because the Packers have three more injuries uh, in this one Preston Smith with the oblique injury. You had Josh Myers go down with a knee injury. Uh, Matt LaFleur doesn't think it's season ending, but usually when a knee injury like that happens and you're out for the game, I don't think Myers will play next week. I don't think you'll have him for Arizona. Maybe best case, he's ready for Kansas City or Seattle. That's a big loss for Green Bay. Then you have Darnell Savage with a concussion. Again, a concussion can be a week-long injury like you saw with Daniel Jones or it can be something that lingers. Um, I think Savage has had some concussion problems in the past, and so this I don't think is his first one, so I would imagine it might take a little while longer. Again, 
with that Arizona game on Thursday, I think that you will maybe see a little more conservative approach in terms of injuries for the Packers. Preston Smith will be a tough one because I think you would like Preston Smith for Arizona, but I think Preston's going to do everything in his power to show he's healthy so he can play against his former team. Uh, But I don't know. I don't know what that conversation will be like for the Packers with Preston as well as with those other guys, but it just sucks. So hopefully they can have a game where we don't talk about injuries. That would be great. I would love that. Lastly, Isaac Yodum. Uh, Man, Isaac's not a guy. He started for a series, got absolutely torched. Good for Green Bay, though, for not sticking with it. I'll give Joe Barry a ton of credit. Joe Barry pulled his ass, and we did not see Isaac the rest of the game. Isaac played, started one series. He was terrible, and that was that. And there was no more Isaac Yodum after that. I don't know if Isaac has a roster spot, even with how bad the Packers are at the cornerback position. I don't know how, not bad, I should say, injured. I don't know how you come back from that if you're Isaac because it it's tough. It was a tough look for him. He did not play well in that, that series. And yeah, they, they were like, all right, we're done. We're, we've seen enough. So maybe he's just a special teams guy and a true break in case of emergency because he got absolutely flamed by Justin Fields. And Justin Fields has been one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL so far. Um, and you have a guy like Heineke who can sling it and then and then Kyler Murray and Patrick Mahomes. So I, I don't think I don't think Yodum is gonna gonna be getting many snaps in the next few weeks. Alright, that does it for star ratings, that does it for the Packers. Let's finish up the show with little Badgers and Bucks. So Badgers win twenty to fourteen. The Badgers were in real control of this football game up to about the fourth quarter. I think what happens is you see the triple option wear you down. That's the whole point of the triple option, that at the end of the game, you're just not prepared for it. And I think that's what happened with Wisconsin in this one, that that triple option really started to set in and Wisconsin just was tired, had seen it so much. I mean, Army ran the ball 50 times in this game, right? They only rushed for 3.6 yards per carry, They but they did have some breakers. Like uh, Tyler broke one for 36 and Robinson broke one for 25. And so, yeah, they had a real shot against the Badgers late. And Wisconsin was able to bring it home with their own rushing attack. Braylon Allen is a star. Uh, Braylon Allen had 108 yards on 16 carries with one touchdown. He averaged 6.8 yards a carry. Um, My guy Doze calls him a more in shape John Clay, which I think is an apt comparison, right? Because John Clay was about as tall as Braylon Allen, but did not have the muscles. I mean, remember, Braylon Allen's a high schooler. Like Braylon Allen's 17. He should be playing in the WIA playoffs on, on Friday. Braylon Allen's playing for the Badgers. I think more Braylon Allen is needed. I I can understand Paul Chris maybe not wanting to overdo it with Allen early on in his career. But I I, I don't know. I mean, him splitting carries with Chesmalusi doesn't seem like the, the way to go. I think Braylon Allen is that guy. And I think you need to start looking at Braylon Allen as RB1. And he's he sort of will will rise up there. Because that to me is what you're going is how you're going to succeed, how you're going to push forward. Graham Mertz did have one turnover, did not have an interception. Um, he started off strong and then it kind of went to shit. And that that has been the kind of the problem with Wisconsin this year, right? 
where I think they start off strong and they have a script and I think they they really do a good job of sticking to it. But then that second half, it just doesn't seem like either they adjust or teams adjust and they're not ready for them. This was another really bad second half for Wisconsin. And really only Illinois, Illinois and Eastern Michigan are the only two games that I can say where the Badgers played a full full game. Like this was not a full game from Wisconsin. They played a really good second quarter. They played, I, th- I thought even the first quarter was fine. And then they just did not do anything in that second half. They should have blown out. They should have blown out Army. There's no reason they couldn't have blown out Army. And they just could not connect on some deep throws from Mertz. He was bad in the second half. And they also went away from Braylon Allen in the third quarter. Like there were just some weird, weird stuff from Paul Crest. And I don't really know why. It's just been a bad trend for them. And I, I hope it doesn't continue, but I, I fear that it, it might. Um, so the Badgers get ready to go to Purdue. Purdue is now ranked after beating the Iowa Hawkeyes on the road. Very good win for Purdue. Um, now the Badgers get them kind of in a letdown spot, right? Like this is definitely going to be a situation where you're going to see uh, Purdue sort of let down and not and not necessarily maybe have it. Um, they're, the Badgers are a three-point favorite, even though Purdue they're on the road and Purdue is ranked. And usually that's a sign of Vegas understands. Vegas knows you know that this could be a letdown spot for Purdue. Uh, Purdue has a great you know passing attack, which could be a problem with Wisconsin, and we'll talk more about that as we get into this week. But this is a window of opportunity for Wisconsin. Like Wisconsin right now has a true window to put themselves back into the Big Ten title race. Yes, they're not going to be a playoff team. We know that. We understand that. I think everybody knows who's a playoff team and who's not a playoff team in this chaotic uh, Big Ten and college football season. But if Wisconsin wins here today, so if Wisconsin wins, let's just say they beat Purdue, they're then 2-2. Two and two. Iowa, 3-1. and one. I don't know who Iowa plays next week, but Badgers play Iowa in two weeks. Then the Badgers have an opportunity to beat Iowa. And if they beat Iowa, oh, they, Iowa is off. So Iowa's on, on by. So they'll have a week to think about it. Then they go to Camp Randall to play the Badgers. The Badgers could be 3-2 and two and be near the top of the Western Division. Now, the Golden Gophers also have one loss. They had a nice win against Nebraska. But Minnesota, I'm sure, has some games on their schedule that are going to get difficult. It's not going to get easy. They do it in Maryland next week. That God, Minnesota has a really easy schedule. I didn't realize that. But Minnesota, so Minnesota might have an opportunity, right, to be a spoiler as well. But they do have to go to Iowa in, on the 11-13, and they have a home game against Wisconsin to finish off the year. But Minnesota does have more smooth sailing. They don't have Ohio State. They or they had Ohio State, but it was early in the year. They lost to that. They don't, but they don't have Penn State. They don't have Michigan State. So that's where that's where they are. Um, I do think that the Badgers can play their way back into the Big Ten title race. We'll see if they can get it done against Purdue. Because that it starts with Purdue, and then you have an opportunity against Iowa. And that's what you play for. You don't, you're not the spoiler anymore. Iowa has lost the two seed. I still think Iowa could work their way back into the playoff picture. It's going to take a lot. Um, it's not, especially with how good the Big Ten is, right? With Michigan, Michigan State, Penn State, uh, Ohio State. Like, I, I think there are, Iowa's probably the fifth team in that race. And so that's going to be really tough for Iowa 
to get a hat, but we'll see. To wrap up the show uh, with the Bucks, the only thing I wanted to mention about the Bucks was no Bobby Portis, no Semi Ojale in game number one. That means the Bucks front line is going to be extremely thin. I don't know how much they want to be playing Giannis Antetokounmpo. Um, I doubt that they want to play him more than 35 minutes a, a game early on, especially with all of the the lack of time that they had between winning a title and starting an NBA season. I also have no idea who's going to guard Kevin Durant with P.J. Tucker not here and Semi Ojale out. I think Semi would have been the guy to get a lot of Kevin Durant. I think you'll see Middleton. I think you'll see a little bit of Giannis. I know people have been wanting to see the Giannis-Durant matchup. I think you're going to get it on week one, or game one, not week one, in game one, um, because I don't know what else the Bucs can, can throw. I guess you could do maybe a little bit of Brook Lopez just in the paint. But yeah, more is going to be asked to that Bucks front line. More Thanasis probably too. I wonder if Jordan Nora gets involved. You know, Jordan Nora is 6'8". He's not a defender. He can't guard a guy like Durant. But Jordan Nora could at least be out there, provide some offense. I think he's going to get an opportunity to play 15 minutes in this one. And that's a great moment for Jordan Nora. So hopefully he can step up to that. And we'll we'll see a Bucks victory in game one. But I'm not going to be crazy about the Bucks. If Let's say the Bucks start 0-2. If that happens, I'm not going to go nuts. But I do think they're, they're going to have a strong start. I really do. I, I know I saw some people in the media that were like, well, don't expect much from the Bucks early on this season. And I'm like, okay, but I, I get the fatigue angle and I understand that could happen. But I look at what you've had, seen in the preseason and I'm like, I don't know, man. Like This team feels like they're better than they were last year. And you'll hear Mitch and I talk about that a lot in tomorrow's podcast. But I just, I don't really foresee a slow start. I, I'm, I'd be surprised, I guess. If the Bucks like start 5-5 five and five to start the year, that would surprise me. Um, I would be more surprised at that than the Bucks starting 7-3 and three or 8-2. and two. Uh, Just because I, I really do think the Bucks have a talented roster and a roster that wants to repeat a roster that has a chip on their shoulder and that will want to send a statement. And so I think they're going to try to do it with Brooklyn, and we're going to see it um, in game number one. Speaking of which, like I said, we have a podcast. It's an NBA preview. Mitch and I go player by player. We talk about sort of the player and preview the player um, with inside the Bucks roster. We go from Giannis to, I believe, Nora, and then we kind of lump uh, Thanasis, Semi-Ogele, there's someone else we lumped in there um, together as sort of the final final few, Rodney Hood. Um, and those are kind of the guys we lumped in together uh, at the very end. So look forward to that. Um, it's a great show. Uh, Mitch and I did it in person. It was awesome to do it in person. Uh, Mitch and I have done only a few in person since the pandemic. Um, and honestly, it would be great for Mitch and I to do them in person. We just... We live too far away. Like we live 20 minutes away from each other. It's a fucking hassle. It the studio is not close to either of us. So as much as I would like to get back to doing it in the studio, Zoom's just so much more convenient. Um, so I don't know. We'll look for other opportunities. We're we're probably due for a Murph, Mitch, and Charlie uh, fall jam, maybe winter jam. 
Uh, we'll try to get together soon with those three guys uh, because that to me is is really our the peak of the podcast. I realize I also just talked in the third person like a dumbass. All right, it's time to go. All right, take care, guys. Have a great Monday. We'll be back tomorrow. See you. Bye.